Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, we're very excited to be with you this morning, and let me just say uh, Merry Christmas to you uh, and to yours. And I feel like over the last several weeks, I feel like we've just kind of been building uh, to this moment, that we've, we've really kind of been building uh, to this particular message in this series, What Does Faith Look Like? And for those of you who haven't been with us, for one, you can... Uh, catch any of these messages on our, our, our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. We'd love for you to, to go back and, and hear the messages that are leading up to this. Uh, but in this series, what does faith look like? What faith looks like? We've been thinking about what faith looks like. And so many times when we think about faith, we think, you know, well, well faith is something that's deep inside of me. It's a a strong conviction or a belief that I have in my life. And if I said to you, hey, can you show me your faith? You might be like, well, you know, I don't know. It's kind of hard to do. I, I don't know if I can reach down and produce for you something that, that God can see, but something that just seems so immaterial. What we've been learning in this series is that you can see faith. You can see my faith. I can see your faith. And sometimes perhaps you can see my lack of faith. And I can see your lack of faith. Because our faith, however strong or however weak, always manifests itself through our lives. Through the things that we say, through the things that we do. Well, the person that we're going to be talking about today, you don't find her in that long list of people in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of people of great faith. And these were not great people. They were just people who had great faith. But you, you don't find this person there. Uh, she's a person of faith nonetheless. In fact, we wouldn't have the Christmas story in Luke's gospel or even historically if it were not for her faith. We're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And today we're going to look at that time in Mary's life where God came to her and he just said, I'm going to do this. Now, to... For the Lord to come to you or for the Spirit to move on your heart in your life and to be like, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to go to this place. I want you to do this thing. Like those people in Hebrews 11, some built an ark, some led a nation through sea on, a, on dry ground. Some had to go to a place without knowing. Some were called to sacrifice their child. In all those instances, it was like God said, I want you to do this thing. Do you trust me? Do you have enough faith to do this thing? Having faith then is one thing. 
But then having faith when something is given to you, when something is put on you, when something is squarely just put in your life, something you didn't ask for, something you didn't want, perhaps even something that for the life of you, there's no way you could perceive how you'd even need this thing. Having faith then in that place is also very unique and it is something different than just having faith to go do something. It is actually having faith to deal and to trust and to hope in a situation or a circumstance, perhaps an illness, perhaps a decision of someone else, perhaps a relationship. When it comes to you, do you have faith? to trust the Lord with your life. And I see something, I have seen something here in this ministry. I have seen people pray and say, Lord, here's a situation I'm dealing with and I don't see any hope in it. And they just can become discouraged, and hopeless and then God doesn't change their circumstance but he moves beyond their circumstance and he does something and they say God your plan was better than anything I would have ever imagined well today we're going to look into Mary's life and I hope we'll see a mirror of ourselves. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we have this great visitation upon Mary. The scripture says this happens in the sixth month, and, and you got to know that this is tying in Mary's story with what's happened in the first part of Luke. It's the story of Zacharias, it's the story of Elizabeth. And the promise of John the Baptist. This actually occurs in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So understand, oh my gosh, that Mary finds her story in the backdrop of this other greater story that is unfolding. Mary's just fortunate enough to know about it. We're not always fortunate to know about the bigger story or the other story that's being intertwined with ours. So it's in the sixth month that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, graced one favored one means graced one that that god just says mary i'm just going to do this thing in your life he tells her the lord is with you but she was very perplexed at this statement just say that word with me it's it's a really interesting word it's a, a word means to be kind of confused not really sure what's going on 
It, it's a word that evokes ideas of, hey, maybe trying to figure this out. I'm not really for sure. It's the word perplexed. Uh, just say that word with me because maybe you've been perplexed as well at some time in your life. Have you ever been, what's that word again? Perplexed. Have you ever been perplexed? I think this side did a pretty good job. Let's, let's get this guy, let's, let's get this side perplexed, okay? What's that P word again? We're talking about is being, being perplexed. Yeah, one of the, of the whole group. Got it, good, good job. Perplexed, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll move on. So she's perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Uh, Father, we ask for a special uh, visit from you by your Spirit in this time. Father, we have been reminded this morning of so many great truths and, and perhaps, Father, even in the chaos and the craziness of this season, now we are confronted with the heavenly things that sometimes our hearts and our minds are distracted from. So Lord, we need a movement of your spirit. We trust your spirit to be our teacher, to be our guide. And Father, in the way that only you can, Lord, would you use these feeble words? And would you touch each heart and each life that is here? In the midst of the confusion and chaos, we trust you to speak. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Unfreeze. Good job, everybody. Let's take a few minutes. Good job. Whew. It is like a thousand degrees out here. 
No thanks to global warming. Again, global warming and hot flashes, two totally different things. <laughs> I'm starving. Can we please take a snack break already? You ate a whole bag of cheese puffs 15 minutes ago, Jim. And? Marty, we've been at this day and night for a week. We're exhausted. Besides, it's not really a live nativity. We have stuffed animals. Look, everyone, we make do with what we've got. This is our last performance of the nativity, and we have been entrusted with this esteemed honor. Esteemed honor of carrying out a 103-year-old tradition by the oldest church in Corncatcher County. We got you. Yeah, we got your little pep talk about 10 pep talks ago. Amen to that. Can anybody okay. even see okay. me okay. back okay. here? Okay. Okay. No, get, get down. I just want to see. Okay, okay. Good. Oh, I've got hay fever, Marty. Do you know what irritates hay fever, Marty? Hay. Sorry about that, Bob. I tried to find hypoallergenic hay, but the men at the feed store just laughed at me. Why am I in the bag? Did I mention I was a stand-in on an episode of Touched by an Angel? Highway to Heaven trumps Touched by an Angel every time, sister. Apparently you've never seen an episode of Charlie's Angels. It's not the same thing, Bob. I'm smelling an undertone of a hazelnut. Uh, no, wait. Yo, yep, definitely hazelnut. <laughs> I think it's plastic. Look, Marty, none of us signed up for this. You signed up for this. Literally, you all signed up for this. My wife signed me up for this. I'm out. I signed up to play Mary. And nobody would believe that. <sighs> Whatever happened to making do with what you've got, Marty? Let's go, guys. These Applebee's coupons don't use themselves. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. No, 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 no. I want my baby back. It's not the same restaurant. I was buy one, get one. Okay, you listen, out of line. No, I'm not in a line. No, no, no. I'm trying to put on a show. No, don't come in here like that. Right? I know, right? He's got a deal. He had a plan and a move, and you're trying to tell us we no no that's not the truth and you know it my friend was just going to try to help us he's trying to be a good steward and helping us and you're jumping in on all of this oh look at you so tiny and peaceful and perfect a lot like baby jesus he deserved so much more but this was god's plan God gave him a mommy to take care of him. He chose shepherds to tell everyone. Wise men came and visited him. God even gave him an earthly daddy. A lot of imperfect people. But God always makes do with what he's got. And that perfect little baby grew up and saved us all. He showed us what real love looks like. A love that cost him everything. I just adore him. Savior for everyone.
a Savior for imperfect people. When you really think about the heart of the Christmas story and the heart of Christmas, Christmas as also is Jesus. Christmas is for everyone. I mean, regardless of, of where you came from, regardless of where you're going, it's for all nations. Christmas is for all races, for all ages. No matter your education, no matter your upbringing, no matter your socioeconomic status, Christmas as also is Jesus, it's for everyone. It's for every state, it's for every city. You could go to every neighborhood in our country and find lights and trees and yard decor and, and, and Christmas is for everyone, as also is Jesus. The richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor. The one thing about this celebration and this season is that Jesus being for everyone brings everyone together around this celebration. But Christmas takes, and it took, a special someone for it to, to be what it is. And that special someone in the Christmas story is Mary. Now, for good reason, over time and throughout history, Mary's been venerated. She's been, like, elevated to this, this great status. Some of that's good because she is the one that brings to us Emmanuel, God with us. But in that veneration of Mary, what seems to happen over time is she becomes like this otherworldly figure, and she seems to be so different that we look at Mary and we, we can't see ourselves or our story lining up with her story. The truth of the matter is that Mary was like us. She didn't seek this place. She didn't pray for this place or this opportunity. This opportunity just came to her. It was put in her lap. And what makes Mary so great is that she just had great faith to deal with this that was going to be done to her. The scripture tells us that she, uh, she hadn't been with a man. She's engaged to Joseph. The scripture tells us that she is a virgin. We know that, that this is going to be like the supernatural meeting the natural. This is going to be a miraculous thing for this to happen in her life. I think this is what is part of, of what adds to the perplexity of her situation. The angel comes to her. The, the, the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us where she was, what she was doing. Was she at home? Was she in her room? All we know is that the, the, this great messenger, the angel Gabriel, came to her. And she was just chosen. We're also reminded in, in Luke's gospel of the universal 
flavor or aspect of, of his writing that Luke was very careful to help us to know that Jesus was a Savior for all people. That he went to the poor, he went to the oppressed, he went to forsaken people. Many times he would deal uh, with, with, with women in their situations, which was very uncommon for a Jewish man in his day. Jesus himself being a Savior for everyone, Luke is careful to note that the gospel message is for everyone. But yet it takes a special someone to bring us the gospel as we know it. She is perplexed at the statement that comes to her. And the scripture says that she keeps pondering in her mind what kind of salutation this was. The angel just simply says to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And what a great word. When something comes to you, when something is placed in your lap, when something happens to you, we understand that nothing comes to us that doesn't first go through our God. And that God knows that thing or that situation that is going to come to you long before it ever happens to you. We also understand that His grace is sufficient for you. This time of the year when things are so crazy and chaotic, we need to slow down and, and really think about these heavenly truths that, that carry us even when we don't know we're being carried by God, so that we can rest in these truths, that His grace is sufficient for you, that there's reservoirs of God's grace that are waiting for you when you need them. So God, knowing how the story ends, as it is just beginning with Mary, and there's a lot there that Mary doesn't know about, it's going to be scandalous. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. This just comes to her. But this divine messenger comforts her and just says, do not be afraid. Oh my gosh. One of the most challenging things about this season is when I think about next year. And what will life look like? life look like next year? What will this next year bring? What changes might come into my life? My mind can't even begin to fathom who I might celebrate Christmas with this year, but who will not be there to celebrate Christmas with me next year? And if we think that that's not a reality that, that uh, impacts our celebration this year, then we're just deceiving ourselves. It's very real. Maybe even some of you are dealing with that situation even now. And if we could roll the clock back before this journey of your life this past year, to hear God grab our hand and just say, do not be afraid. I know it. Before it comes to you. Man, man if you just grab someone and 
even now and just be like, hey, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of 2020. God knows it before it ever comes to you. And that's the heart of what's behind Mary's story. So the angel comforts her and encourages her and says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. And then notice this in verse 31. This is not a scene where God comes to her and he says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to go to a city. I want you to lead a people. Like all those people in Hebrews chapter 11, the people of faith that are mentioned there. And Mary's not there, but she has her own story of faith that is very unique. It's not go build an ark, lead a great people, go to a place you don't know, sacrifice your son, although she would see her son sacrificed. It's simply, this is going to happen. Notice in verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. You will conceive. You will bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. What a great thing. Salvation. That she would literally birth in, in the person of Jesus. But it's not like God says, hey, won't you go do this? It's like the Lord says, I'm doing this and I'm doing this in your life. Whether you want this or not. Man, we would say, wow, what a great person Mary is. And yes, we'd be venerated. But we have to bring her down to understand that the greatness that comes out of Mary is not Mary. It is God. It is the great God that she had faith in. She would go through scandal. She would end up fleeing and running for her life. She would carry a son that a great king would want to kill. She would have to move. Her son would be considered crazy. By her family and her countrymen in Nazareth. Oh, we think, wow, such a, a great blessing to carry. But don't you know that there was also a great burden that she carried too. And she would lose her son. So the other night, Emily and I were driving to the mall, that God-forsaken place this time of the year. And I said to her, I said, let's just talk about Sunday's message for me. I'm just going to tell you what I think God's stirring in my heart. I said, we think about Mary and the greatness of Mary at Christmas and, and, and all of this. And I said, but you know, in, in her calling, in her calling, 
you know, Mary would lose Jesus. I said, how many times did Mary lose Jesus? And she brought up something that I didn't, hadn't, didn't think of. She said, well, you know, the first time she lost him, he was about 12 years of age. The family had that annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They would worship at the temple. All the people from Nazareth and Mary's family would go there. Uh, Jesus was about the age of 12. He slips off. He goes to the temple. You remember that? And then they're like on the caravan on the way back home. And they're going, hey, where's Jesus? And she lost Jesus. And she realized that, that he had this greater plan. And what's interesting is, what's interesting is, and we're going to see this in just a second, that, that Mary has this moment of, I really think, of understanding what he would be and what he would do. But don't you know that somehow, some way, the human and the divine as it was represented in this Christ child, that somehow, some way, the human and the divine, somehow they can lose touch. So do you think that for a moment, do you think that for a moment, she's looking for him, she can't find him, she, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a divine calling in his life, and I'm not worried about my 12-year-old son right now. Do you think that motherly instinct was able to check in and check out the human divine, the understanding, just the reality of, of, of being a mom and having a son? But yet she, in a sense, just not losing physically, but then, whoa, yeah, ah, yes, that's right. About 12 years ago, 13 years ago, that angel Gabriel, he came to me and he told me. And I just forgot. There was a bigger plan. And then she had to see him die on the cross. Now, where do you think the human and the divine was at that point? There was so much confusion about what would happen after the cross. And, and, and Jesus prophesied of his resurrection. But yet, the disciples were kind of, they were muddy on, the, on that. Well, they weren't very clear. Why do you think they all scattered? Do you think that for a moment, Mary's able to go, oh, I'm, I'm watching my child be crucified. But yet, I'm praising and thanking God that he's going to be raised from the dead. There's just a part of me that thinks that, gosh, in that moment of just being a mom, a real person, her heart is just being ripped out of her chest because part of her calling was that she would lose her child. And you say, but yeah, but Mary, three days later, you get him back. Then only about 40 days after that, She'd lose him again. Because he would ascend to the Father. And so for the rest of Mary's life. Her 33 year old son. Crucified, buried, raised. But then would go back to the Father. She would live the rest of her life. 
without her son. Now, yeah, this is Jesus. But, but don't, don't put angels on her back in such a way that you fail to see everything that she would deal with. She didn't just lose him once. She lost her child twice. Even when she lived with the, the hope and the reality that she'd see him again. This was still part of what was placed on her that she did not know at this point in time. The angel just says, you will conceive. You will bear. You'll name him Jesus. All this is coming to you. Whether you like it or not. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. This is like an aha moment for Mary. Any Hebrew who knows Hebrew history. This is... he. Luke is telling us the angel Gabriel basically quotes 2 Samuel chapter 7 in a messianic promise that was given to David that God would give favor to his descendants and to his lineage forever. This was a, a, a messianic prophecy, a promise of the Messiah, Jesus. On his father's side, adopted by Joseph, a descendant of David, on his mother's side, Mary by blood. This would be for her an aha moment. Are you kidding me? I, I have been chosen to give the world him. Aha, aha moment. But the aha moment fades away pretty quickly in verse 34 because I think the heavenly and the earthly hit home with her. And she's like, how can this be since I am a virgin? To me, this is like a, uh, this is like a, uh, back in the 80s, the sitcom, different strokes. Arnold. Whenever he was perplexed or something in the situation, a lot of times with his brother, Willis, he'd be like, uh, uh, what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I mean, this is totally what's going on there. She's like, what are you talking about? No way. I, I, I'm just a virgin. No way. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, God? I mean, come on. Do you really know what you're doing in my life? And he does. He knows it better than you. And then he tells her, I've got it covered. 
The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This, I'm going to do this in your life. And I'm going to do it in this way because this holy child, your translation might say holy offspring or holy seed. Aha moment number two, Genesis chapter three, verse 15. Way back then, didn't God promise that he would send us a deliverer? One who would have his heel bruised by Satan, but yet in return, he would crush the serpent's head. God said, in his grace and mercy, in the presence of the serpent with angel with Adam and Eve, he said, He shall I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Next part, he shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the heel. The literal reading of he shall bruise you on the head is he will crush your head to the serpent. This holy offspring, this holy seed, Mary. I'm bringing into the world the Son of God. He will be fully human and fully divine at the exact same time. So when you need, when you need God, You've got Jesus. And when you need a friend who knows what it's like to be human, you've got Jesus. And this is what I'm going to do through you for the world. And if you have a hard time believing that I can do miracles? Behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called, who is called barren is now in her, in her sixth month. What I've done once, I'll do again, and what I've done for others, I will do for you. Find yourself in that list of people of faith. What I've done for others when they walk by faith, I will do for you. For nothing will be impossible with God. So what's her response? This is where you see Mary's faith just kick in and just come in large and in the moment. Again, not having any idea the scandal, the ridicule, the running for your life, not having any idea that one day this Mary would be at the foot of the cross and watch him destroy her son. And then see him be raised again. Only then, in a few days later, to live the rest of her life without him. She was saying yes to a whole lot of stuff that she didn't know, but God did. 
And her reply is just simply, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Behold, let it be. Just let it be. God, whatever it is you have for my life, whatever it is that comes to me, that comes on me, might I have the faith just to say, let it be. I'm going to be okay. So I think we might have been on our way back home. And I said to Emily, I said, Emily, I said, think of a time when we stepped out on faith. Can you think of a time real clearly when we just trusted God and stepped out on faith? And she was like, yeah, I I remember, you know, this time. And I was thinking back like 25 years ago when we moved and just loaded everything up in a horse trailer. I know you're sick and tired of hearing this. We just moved. I think of a time about 20 plus years ago when we moved to Benton. And she's like, yeah, I, that, oh, that was a time we really just stepped out on faith and just trusted the Lord. I said, that was 20 years ago. I said, my, my, my biggest fear is that we'll stop. That we'll just stop stepping out on faith and trusting God to do impossible whether it's, yes, Lord, I'll go do this. Or, yes, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Well, I just think there's medicine in that. Medicine for the soul that struggles with what's been put on your plate. Lord, you've got it. And I trust you to have it. And I'm just going to walk with you. And what you do, some pretty neat things in my life. For some of us today, that might be where we begin to heal from some things that have hurt us. It might be when we begin to breathe again and to live life to the fullest. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.